0: hello my name is Larry Dobrow I'm the executive editor of MM&M and and i am thrilled to be a part of today's sponsored podcast with Playo and joining me today is the CEO of Playo Michael Alexi. Michael thank you so much for joining us here today
1: great thanks thanks for having me
0: All right. Before we get going on our conversation, the first thing that we've traditionally been asking during our podcasts over the last 18 months or so is how are you? How have you and your colleagues and your friends and family weathered what we've dealt with over the last 18 months?
1: Thanks so much for asking. You know, I have to say all is well. COVID has brought us together, made us stronger, you know, as people, brought our you know families together, but also brought our company together, got us, you know. Really rallying around, you know, our, our human purpose. We found a lot of good in COVID, which is which is a little awkward, uh, mm-hmm. but true.
0: All right, a bunch of our conversation today, we're going to be talking about some adherence trends. Let, let's give sort of a sort of a broad introduction. Give me sort of a state of the union. Right now, for some of the trends that you're seeing. And really the, the big question, which is always, you know, what are the reasons that you know adherence still is an issue, that patients won't take their medications as
1: prescribed? So, you know, always an interesting question. You know, adherence tends to be a very academic uh, topic. You know, adherence, you know, is fundamentally a measure in our industry. Years later, it's still sort of the elephant in the room. Um, that we all struggle with, you know, due to its seemingly overwhelming girth. But the fundamental reasons for non-adherence are the same. You know, we just understand them better. And we've come to discover some of the more you know, latent reasons for non-adherence. If you kind of look at the, the trends and, you know, we, we've we come a long way. You know, the solution space used to be defined by letter programs not too long ago. But you asked a question about COVID sort of at, at the onset and, you know, COVID has accelerated the digitalization of healthcare, but at the same time has come to remind us that healthcare is human and patients are people. People need that human connection. The, the business is digital, but the patient is still human. So you know, where, where we sort of see the, the business going today, you know, the business around uh, adherence, you know, we think that there's some course correction required. And I think we've been reminded of that. What we'd like to see you know, is a world where human and digital come together with empathy and purpose.
0: Is that one of the key barriers, you know, that there isn't enough empathy, that there isn't enough connection on those lines, or are there some others?
1: Uh, Absolutely. You know, empathy for us, or for for me, definitely is, is, you know, sort of that enabler, that connector. When when I say that the principal reasons for non-adherence are well-known, they are. You know, there are mechanical barriers and physical barriers, and our industry spends a lot of time and money and effort focusing on those mechanical barriers because that's the low-hanging fruit, you know. So cost, delivery, ninety-day scripts. Uh, but where empathy really comes to play are really with those psychological and emotional barriers. Those are the challenging ones that persist. Why? Because patients are people, and you know, people are complex. So you know, we believe that that's the place where we all have the opportunity to make a difference, to connect at the emotional level, and to connect at the emotional level. You know, that could only be done with empathy. That can only be done with that pure human connection.
0: To that end, why, why does this matter to brands? I mean, certainly there are financial considerations. Why should brands, brand teams, brand marketers be worried if their adherence is not if not happening with their medications?
1: So, I mean, primarily, you know, there, there's a macro sort of social responsibility, right? Our industry uh, uh, at the end of the day is all about building and maintaining a healthier world. The literature is clear, you know, in terms of the costs, in terms of hospitalization cost to society, it's a $300 billion problem. And, you know, look, okay, I, I, primarily if, if we, you know, don't care or fail, you know, when it comes to tackling the problem of adherence, we fail in our primary mission. But, you know, more importantly, if we kind of look at where, you know, where it matters directly, immediately to the brand I think there are two things to look at. We spend a considerable amount of resources bringing a new drug to market with a limited ROI window, only to lose 30 to 50% of our patients within 50 days of starting a, a medication. This is unacceptable in any commercial context, even more so when we look at the numbers in terms of uh, health impact. You know, it, it comes down to developing a relationship with the patient. And a, a 50-day relationship is not a relationship.
0: You talk about developing a relationship with patients. What, what can pharma do to develop stronger ones, to, dr- to develop ones that keep them on medication when they should be on medication?
1: The, the key component there to develop that relationship, um, you know, we speak often about meeting patients uh, where they are, and often that's referred to in you know, terms of time and space. We believe that, you know, we need to meet a patient where they are, you know, emotionally, where they are at a particular point in time relative to their emotions. And pharma uh, most programs today place a burden of action on the patient. The patient needs to raise a hand, they need to click around, they need to navigate a lot of information. And they need to do so when they're in a difficult period, you know, this sort of trough of disillusionment in, in this, in this you know, sort of emotional space is is where we believe the rubber, rubber meets the road.
0: I think you addressed this uh, peripherally, but let me um, ask more specifically. Pharma obviously puts a lot of money into patient support programs, any number of other resources. Patients don't always know about them. Is this maybe a little bit of a communication problem in a certain way? And is, uh, what is Playo doing to make sure that it's not happening anymore?
1: So what, what, what are the problems? You know, I, I, I did touch on it, you know, just very lightly, you know, that you know, patients need to sort of raise a hand, uh, right? And um, you know, I, I said that we, you know, could sort of meet patients where they are, and, and that, that really comes down to meeting them where they are in, in their journey. So, what what do we do as Playo? We leverage our you know billions of prescription records, millions of historical interventions and data points. We we sort of mash them up in you know our purpose built lift technology platform, and we sort of craft you know the perfect patient journey. And, and what does that mean? It means we really come to understand when to engage with the patient and how to engage with the patient. But this engagement, you know, is is largely driven. What's at the crux of what we do is an extraordinary human connection. Um, So what we do to mitigate the issue is proactively reach out to the patient at the right point in time that they have the greatest propensity to engage and forge that strong human connection. Become that trusted advisor that says, try it, you'll like it. The person that you can trust to build a long-term relationship. So it goes from, you know, putting the burden on the patient to having us be that facilitator, that person that, you know, holds the hand and guides the patient. At the end of the day, if we engage a patient and we, we un-overwhelm them, we've done our job.
0: When you think about some of these resources, some of the support, t- tell us about the role of unbranded versus branded support. Um, are there different considerations for each? How do you kind of tweak the approach to make sure... That in each instance, you're giving the you know, you're giving the support that's needed.
1: That, that's a great and welcome question because uh, th- that's sort of our challenge on a, on a daily basis. Yeah. The branded or the unbranded program. And, and the roles need not be mutually exclusive. One of the key roles that we play with brands, we work with them, I mentioned earlier, you know, to un-overwhelm the patient. So we've seen, uh, if we look at the numbers we've been running, we've run over 140 of these campaigns. Uh, across 30 disease states, you know, again, billions of records. So we've got a lot of data. And what's interesting is we've seen branded and unbranded programs perform equally well. And one of the reasons for that is at times, branded programs struggle to overcome the temptation of branding, you know, that contribute to a suboptimal patient experience. You know, balance is always key. Uh, Trust and confidence is key. Our role is to instill both either way. So we're sort of the, the gatekeepers in that way.
0: Are there certain conditions? Are there certain areas where need, there, there needs to be more done in terms of adherence? Are there certain places where you like to put more emphasis, or you think more emphasis needs to be placed?
1: The, the the challenge really exists everywhere. Even the best specialty brand with the you know the the highest engagement rates, the highest you know positive adherence rates, still require that human connection and still require more work because we're not. You know, until we're above 80%, you know, um, in terms of our persistence and, you know, even hundred percent, you know, there's still a lot of work to do, but we're, you know, in the programs that we've run, definitely, you know, cardiovascular, respiratory and mental health um, are the categories, the leading categories that where we really see patient need and we really see patients deserving of human intervention. Um, we've definitely seen, you know, our mental health programs, tremendous engagement. Uh, obviously, you know, through COVID, uh, at the end of the day, the need for human connection has never been greater. Uh, But I I definitely would say that, you know, cardiovascular, respiratory and mental health, um, you know, lead the way. Uh, The others don't necessarily trail, you know, far behind, but those would be prominent.
0: When when you have these conversations with, you know, with uh, clients, with companies that you work with, for lack of a more elegant way to put it, do they get it? Do they get that there is more that needs to be done here? Um, Do they acutely understand how the problem is right now, or is it still a little bit of pharma's, well, you know, we're doing well enough. I mean, traditionally, it's been an industry that, you know, doesn't move until it has to. I know it's a huge generalization.
1: Yeah, again, very, very, very interesting question. Um, you know, there, there is genuine, uh, a genuine understanding, and, and a lot really is driven sort of by cascading, you know, corporate objectives in terms of where the brand needs to be you know, some manufacturers have dedicated adherence programs, others, you know, just simply referred to, you know, patient support programs. Fundamentally, everyone wants to do better and everyone wants to help uh, the the patient. You know, I I fundamentally absolutely believe that. But I I think where we have a little bit of a divide is the view tends to be a short-term view. You know, let's get the patient a medication, uh, you know, let's cover the cost component. And um, what I personally would like to see is a view toward a long-term relationship with the patient. I'd like to see the metrics around how we gauge success with the patient be a little bit longer term, not tied to you know, a specific quarterly objective or a specific you know, annual objective, but really look at the long-term value of the patient when considering ROI.
0: To do things that way, you know, to focus on the longer term, in, in a way, would that kind of force some of the companies to kind of rethink their, I mean, it's almost a philosophical change in thinking longer term versus let's just hit the metrics of this specific campaign. Is that, are those some of the conversation points that you have, or is that something that just kind of, kind of lurks beneath the surface of a lot of these conversations?
1: You know, a little bit of both, a little bit of both, you know, um, the, the typical measure really is, you know, looking at increased length of therapy or days on therapy, Part of the way we work with patients is, you know, we, we break down um, goals into, you know, digestible and achievable goals that, you know, that, that they can meet. And, and that's how we build, you know, toward behavior change by having the patient, you know, adopt tiny wins and collect tiny wins. So it's sort of the same thing, you know, for the brands, you know, let's get the patient to first fill. Um, let's measure that. Let's get them to second fill. Let's get them to third and beyond. But let's look at beyond. Let's look at the long-term value of a patient. But let's also look past ROI and look at the relationship. How well is the patient uh, engaged? How long are we speaking to them? You know, what, what are the elements of engagement? Um, so I, I definitely see uh, increased um, sort of receptiveness. We, we actually have several manufacturers that are quite proactive in, in this view. And I definitely think it will, will be uh, an increasing trend.
0: So many of the pharma brands that you know we you know pay attention to, that certainly you pay attention to, um, they have these big CRM programs of varying sophistication. What are some of the benefits of these programs in terms of helping adherence, and what are some of the limitations?
1: The CRM programs are are typically rich, um, very well engineered, and they primarily hold a lot of content. They hold a lot of brilliant um, content. In some cases, you know, they are these. Huge programs that are, you know, build it and they will come. Um, In other cases, you know, they are programs that push out massive amounts of email and text. And then, in, you know, the, the sort of the last case, in the case that we would like to see more of, you know, they are fully integrated. They bring together the best of breed point solutions from multiple vendors and they allow a patient a personalized journey where the patient could cascade between all of the different tactics. At the end of the day, these programs are only successful if the patient not only has the access to the content, but can make best use of it and have someone or you know, a person and a digital tool guide them to make use of that content, to change the behavior change that leads to proper medication adherence.
0: We, we've talked about some of the more you know, narrow topics over the last question or two. Here, here's a bigger one. Um, who owns the problem of adherence. There's pharma, there's pharmacies, there's employers, there's health systems, there's so many different players. Is it some combination? Does it vary from instance to instance? Um, is it unfair even to ask that question?
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely a tough question, because my first, my first response, my, my knee-jerk response would absolutely be, you know, everyone owns the problem. Yeah. And, and the fact is, everyone does own the problem. But um, I think what's important you know, one of the fundamental things that, you know, I, I try to instill in the company is an understanding that adherence is complex. There is no silver bullet. There's no one vendor. There's no one solution. There's no one entity that will solve it on, on their own. Um, so at the end of the day, all of these entities need to come together uh, to solve the problem. And, you know, COVID has absolutely, you know, driven a lot more of that sort of consolidation and, and, and teaming and, and collaboration. You look at, you know, the role of telehealth. Telehealth is a great connector, care coordination, um, you know, coming more to light. Yeah, I'll come back to my, my original responses. um Everyone, everyone plays a specific role. And it's a question of sort of um, defining those roles because at the end, uh, at, at the end of the day, uh, it comes down to um, crafting the perfect patient journey that's simple and digestible for a patient.
0: Um, How how about some of the
1: third-party approaches? You know,
0: ones that go after um, HCPs, um, NPs, Um, there are digital tactics, everything else. Are these tactics effective? Um, Are they effective as a primary tool or maybe as a secondary tool? Um, How do you differentiate between the ones that help and the ones that are kind of just, you know, shredding water?
1: Another, you know, great and interesting question. Um, You know, uh, HCPs play a role. As do non-HCPs, um, it really depends on where the patient is at a point in time. Our belief is that HCPs have a primary purpose, and that primary purpose is to work to the top of their license to deliver clinical expertise and counseling with empathy every day. Our primary purpose, um, you know, um, is strictly focused on empathy and establishing an emotional connection. We believe that our roles, uh, you know, are complementary, and that the non-HCP Ah uh, plays a critical role in healthcare. You know, we often, you know, breach the topic of you know white coat syndrome. Uh, we know that patients are often overwhelmed. We know that there are health literacy boundaries. If we uh, can play a role to mitigate uh, those, we then become a megaphone and an amplifier for those other programs, uh, for a coaching program, a nurse program, an HCP program. Our 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 role is to you know connect. Uh, patients with those programs in a way that, you know, in in a manner with, in a manner which that's, uh, that's easy, you know, for the patient. Um, So our our goal is to make those programs accessible.
0: I think Playo does this obviously very well. Um, Is there something in your mind that distinguishes your approach um, versus others? I would imagine based on our conversation so far that the emphasis on empathy is one of the big ones.
1: The emphasis uh, on empathy is absolutely, you know, one of of the greatest ones now. You know, it it can sound a little cliche. Uh, You know, we all believe that we are empathetic, but it comes down to uh, our focus is on the empathy. It's on the emotional connection. But to do that, you need a unique group of people. The folks that we have would not work in a call center. Um, They work from home. Uh, They work in casual environments. They're retired, semi-retired professionals that we've curated out of retirement communities across the U.S. They have an ability to connect at a unique emotional level behind, you know, these super great people that want to give back that, you know, are are not agents, not working in call centers. We have technology. We have technology um, that forges, uh, that that works to, to engineer that perfect connection you know, to call the person at the right point in time, uh, to use the right tone, to use the right sentiment. And um, we don't just rely on the technology. We also have, you know, a creative team um, that crafts the perfect words and language to connect with the patient, to break that health literacy boundary. So, um, you know, empathy is not something that you can hand out in doses. It has a haptic quality. It has to be lived. and has to be felt. Um, That's, you know, the cornerstone of what we do.
0: It's it's amazing to me how many organizations, you know, especially within health and wellness, just try to bolt empathy on after the fact, you know, it's the kind of thing which it's, uh, you know, unless it's deeply ingrained, and unless it's, you know, in a human value, it doesn't work. I think people see through fake empathy, or, you know, uh, maybe affected empathy much more uh, easily than they would almost any other tactic or approach.
1: Yeah. And that's so true. And, you know, uh, you know, I I say that, um, you know, a cornerstone to human connection, empathy is powerful because it drives pro-social behaviors. It drives community. It enables conversations. It allows a patient to become productive in their engagement with their extended healthcare teams and the healthcare system. So, you know, when a patient feels good and they feel cared for, when they've broken that health literacy boundary, they're confident then they have access to all of the great tools and the items that we discussed, the CRM, the nurses, the health coaches. We have an industry at the ready to support patients. We just need to make it more accessible. And that's what Empathy with Purpose does.
0: Michael, just one or two um, more questions for you. Looking forward for Playo, you know, what are some of the opportunities? You know, what are some of the challenges? Um, you know, what are the main items on your to-do list?
1: So, uh, you know, as, as, you know, I I think we kind of kicked it off when we were talking about, you know, trends, right? And today, you know, we have several manufacturers and brands that said, we need a digital strategy. And it's this sort of polarization that says, we need a digital strategy. Everything must be digital. And then in other cases, there's, you know, there's a pause that says, well, wait a minute, you know, is the patient ready for digitalization? Our perpetual challenge, you know, there, there are basically two key things that we try to remember every day. Healthcare is human and patients are people. So with this trend towards digitalization, we need to understand that digital plays a very specific and powerful role. Our focus will always be on that, you know, human hello and extended, uh, an extended relationship through digital. So I would say, you know, what we're, our, our focus right now is on developing and exposing the complementary nature of human and digital and understanding that they need to work together and they make each other stronger.
0: Building up that last answer and actually referencing our first question, uh, here's my last one. I'll say we're having this conversation again a year from today, you know, talking about some of the issues around adherence. What do you expect to be telling me? Um, what do you hope to be telling me? Um, is this the kind of problem where you can see noticeable gains over a short period of a year, or is this the kind of thing which has a much longer arc?
1: Uh, I, I think we're, you know. The, the, so the I, I'd love to see that adherence, you know, arc be shortened. As I said, it, it's a long-standing, you know, sort of problem. I, I'd like to see the terminology be changed around how you know we approach the problem. But if if I look at the trends and I look at the folks that we're working with, I look at the folks that we're partnering with, the leading digital players understand the role that the human plays, you know, in in their world. They understand that the digital platforms, shockingly and interestingly, sort of suffer from the same problem that the drugs do. They have their own adherence problem. Uh, There's difficulty in driving the patients to the digital solutions. And then there's difficulty in keeping the patients in the digital solutions. But when you have that human hello and human connection, you've established a relationship with the patient, their digital solution and their drug. And that digital solution could then be the glue that holds it all together. So a year from now, I'd love to hear you know, that we've been successful in the personalization of adherence solutions, that we've been successful in developing bespoke solutions that empower patients to cross-pollinate across channels where patients can choose digital one day, text one day, benefit from a letter one day, and then select, you know, cascade to phone another. If the patient has the ability to interact with the right tool at the right time, the way they need to, based on their emotion at a point in time, then we would have been successful. So I'd love to say say that next year, but we might have to wait a couple more. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know what though let, let's check in and let you know let's see where this is going I mean it's such a big topic it's such an important topic and yet it tends to get subsumed beneath a bunch of others that you know aren't anywhere near as important to companies to individuals and to you know the business as a whole so many thanks for coming on Michael this was a terrific educational experience for me and I really enjoyed hearing about this.
1: Yeah. Th- thank you so much. I uh, always uh, enjoy engaging in this- these discussions. There's no lack of passion around the topic. So thank you so much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. For the MMNM podcast, this is Larry Dobrow. Many thanks for listening. And we'll be back with you another one very soon. Take care and be well.